0: Wow, bless you so much. Um, remember hearing one guy say, uh, "The power is in His peace." Yeah. Did you feel His peace? Yeah. Um, I, I know it's not. It's not like we have to work ourselves into His peace. His peace is closer than a whisper. His peace is there whenever you need it, wherever you need it. And I just loved how you guys led us in worship. Just so beautiful. And Tom, just a brilliant place to land. Just. I could see you moving with something. I could see you kind of, I feel like we just need to pause. Hit the pause button. And when, when we did that, I, I just felt the peace of the Holy Spirit descend on us. What I mean by that is come and rest on us. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't want to move on from there, really, real quick. I'm, I'm not going to share long, literally a few thoughts. And I want to pray for you guys. I feel like God's given me a few things. And then hand over to Phil. He's... Just been sharing with us so brilliantly. But still right now, just just receive that peace. Um, when you said, Tom, let's just give God this moment. Sometimes we can feel driven and go, well, we need to give God all the moments, every moment. I felt the Holy Spirit whisper to me just to say, I just love every moment with you. but like any moment. Any moment. This is not a religion here, folks, where... We have to do stuff. Like feel brilliantly put, we just get to rest in his presence. And from understanding who we are, we do stuff. That's the deal. Like me and my kids, it's like I don't demand, I need 15 hours from you every day or once a month. It's like just a look from my daughter and I melt. You know, just a, a choice headlock from my son. And I'm like, yes, it's bundle time. Just, just to look at each other is precious how much more does the father feel that from us he sent his son so we could have moment after moment after moment his presence so just sit in that just for a few moments just keep receiving peace peace and uh i guess as you are just by way of um during the worship i just began to feel a bit queasy um, and sometimes you can get those feelings and you think, oh, it's just me. But I, I, I wonder whether God wants to heal someone um, as well. So this is by the While we're resting in peace. Does anyone here have any stomach complaint at all? If you don't, that's amazing. <laughs> it's not like, oh, no, no one's sick. That's a nightmare. Anyone at all? Any child that you know of? Any, anyone in this space that you just suffer with any sort of stomach condition? Maybe it's reflux. Maybe you get heartburn. You know where your tummy just feels a bit queasy, or maybe you've got ulcer. I don't know. I'm not a medic um, at all. Can we pray for you? Have you have you got any sensations at the moment? Any f- weird feelings or anything like that? Chest pains. What's your name? Sorry. Tia. Can we can we pray for you? Um, if you're near Tia, you, do you want to just lay your hand on her? Um, we believe in impartation and body ministry, and this is family. But here, right from the outset, what you need to know is, Father, Love really hard, but I'm not striving. Mm. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So peace and rest, I feel that they're joined. So this is what I'm trying to say in a rambled way. I feel that's the soil we need to plant ourselves into, yeah. peace and rest. That's the, the compost, that's the greenhouse that we live from, and the fruit from living from that. The root system and the fruit is peace and rest. 16 years on, although I get it horribly wrong at times, the Father whispers to me to come back in a moment to say, you don't need to strive. You don't need to earn people's approval because I approve of you. You know, when the the God who made the moon says, I approve of you, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. So I wonder, can we stand together? Um... And then if any of what I've said has resonated, what I mean by that is hit you between the eyes. Or maybe just gently gone, I think that's me. If you need to f- feel peace, if you need to know peace in your life, I want to pray for you right now. So why don't you close your eyes? Like Tom said earlier, do whatever you need to do. You might want to even lie down on the floor or. Uh, adopt some sort of peaceful position, extend your hands, put your hands on your heart, whatever you want to do. This is what the Word of God says. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, with prayer and petition and requests, with thanksgiving, present these requests to God. So he's saying, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, speak to God. And the peace of God, which goes well beyond our understanding, will guard us. This is what this peace does, friends. It guards us, our hearts and our minds. So I pray for you, my new friends, my dear friends, for this supernatural guarding of your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. You know, Jesus gave everything for you and for me so we could live at peace. So if you know him, I pray for that supernatural peace to flood your heart right now. In Jesus' name. And I pray that you'd never be the same. You'd be able to come back to this as a reference point and say, God, I want your peace again. And you know what? If you don't know Him, you can have peace with God, the one who made the cosmos. This is how it happened to me, friends. I was a rebel. I was, I was jacked up in every way. I was lost, I was hurt, I was broken. I was angry, I was aggressive, I was a womanizer, I was a cocaine addict. Yet God's love poured into my heart. He didn't expect me to change. He changed me. And then he's called me home. And I received peace with God. So if that's you and you don't know God, just say, Jesus, I want to know you right now. Jesus, I turn from my sin, I turn from my own heart at the moment, and I turn towards you. And I invite you, Jesus, right into the centre of my heart. And the very thing that that guy Sam said, I want that. I want you to come and live in me. I want you to come and change me and transform me and fill my life with love and peace. This is all the Bible says. If you turn to him, you'll be saved. If you confess him to be Lord, he'll be that for you. So all you need to do is give your heart and your life to him. And you'll have peace with God. And right now, for for rest. I know we're standing still, so you might not feel that rested. But if you're someone that strives, and you know that about yourself. There's that internal drive Of unrest within your heart. That you're trying to find acceptance in people or things or places or I don't know, a a million and one different things. Jesus right now says to you, Come to me and drop all of that at my feet and I will give you rest. So if that's you right now, just receive that rest right in the heart of your soul. I pray God for a supernatural rest to come upon us. I pray for this peace to underpin us, to to overwhelm us, mm. that we feel secure, we feel comfortable in our own skin. Yeah. I feel some of you, you just don't feel comfortable in your own skin. And I'm not saying that you now need to become bullshit and arrogant. What I'm saying is you can you can feel calm and peaceful and actually comfortable in your own skin. So I pray for an identity to be imparted into us, God, where we just know who we are, who we belong to, and that we're with you forever. Just take a few moments in, maybe in quiet to fill in a moment but let's just let's just be still see how he speaks to you the stillness of his voice
1: We thank you for your presence with us. Seal those things in our heart, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Grab a seat. (coughs) All right. (coughs) I guess I had a message called, Working Harder for Your Boss, called God, but we'll change (laughs) name. No, I'm just kidding. You know, one of the great simple revelations that we, we have is that God didn't come to save some employees in an organization. He came to employees. He came to save sons and daughters in the context of a family. You know, we have to, you know, keep that front and center in the in the business of life and the business of, and all the things going on around us in the challenges of life. We have to remember we are absolutely born again, saved into a beautiful relationship with the Father. And uh, it's such good news. Um, I want to say this for, we look at some scriptures. If you've got your Bibles, this is where we're going to be. So you can start to open. We're going to be in the beginning of Luke 5. I want to tell you a little bit. I want to tell you a story um, of an interaction with, um, uh, with uh, Peter. Peter. Simon Peter and Jesus, that's what we're going to look at for a few minutes that we have together. But before we dive into that, I I again just want to thank you guys for having um, myself and Sam just um, come along and be with you and spend some time. It genuinely is just such a privilege. Like, God is doing some amazing things across this country. Um, You know, often um, people are convinced that. God is in, in the size of what we do or the significance of what we do is in the size of what we do. I, I'm so convinced that in the lives of communities that are that are growing in size, but not numerically, but just in maturity and the desire to love God and to love one another really well and to see the communities that we live in and work in um, changed and impacted through the love of God. like. That's the significant thing that God's doing on the face of the earth. And the amazing thing about that is that all of that stuff is not external to any one of you. It's entirely your story. Your story is what God is doing in and through your lives, in and through your families, the way that you love one another here. Listen to watch your children growing up in an environment where uh, you're making the presence of God the most central thing that you pursue. Um, It's just so precious. So, again, just such a privilege for... For us, and for myself, just to come in and share with you and spend a bit of time hearing some of your stories, uh, some of the things you're excited about, some of the things that are challenging you, some of you, just to share this time with you, genuinely. It's a window, small window of time, I know, um, but it is, I count it as a massive privilege just to come share this time with you, so thank you so much for having me here with you for a couple of days. It's awesome. All right, let's look at some scriptures together. I am, um, it's really funny when Tom kind of carved out that little bit of time at the end of worship, I, uh, I always find it funny, like the thing that God does with me in those moments is I get, I get a lot of um, ideas. Like I think in those moments of kind of quiet and rest, I find that God just kind of drops thoughts into my mind. And, if, and at that point I have to like go grab my phone to write them down because I have a terrible memory. And so I, I often look like I'm that guy playing on his phone during a time of uh, just, I, I felt really self-conscious that I went and grabbed my phone and started writing. But that's what it's all about, all right? So grab those times with God, and peace and rest are absolutely the place, place which we need to live from. Um, actually, in the context of that, I do want to share really briefly for this session um, around what it is to um, distinguish between um, us and our lives being obedient, but also living with expectation. You know, we journeyed over the three times that we've got to share um, some thoughts together. We journeyed really in this sense of how do we how do we live a living a faithful life? Yeah. And I want to really land on this this uh, idea of really helping us understand what real living faith looks like. And um, how we can, in, in every season and in, in every day, we can live a, a life full of faith for what lies ahead, for what God's promised, for what he's said over your life, for what he's said over your kids' lives, to what he's saying and speaking to you, that we can live full of faith. And, and really, the normal Christian life is a radical journey of faith. And it's the response of our life in in and amongst this journey of faith. It's how we, it's what we do with our lives, how we respond in this faith journey, that really is what marks out this faithful life. You know, we know that God is faithful, but actually, as we are His kids, we get to respond like our dad to live faithful, mm. faithful lives. I was thinking about it even in terms of uh, marriage life. You know. Um, Libby and Luke are getting married in a little while and one of the things that I was thinking about in just even even getting engaged and then setting a time where you're going to get married you know there's a window of time and, and faith is kind of like you know it's, it's agreeing you're going to get married so Libby and Luke decide they're going to get married and they agree and they have faith you know and they set a date and there's a date ahead of them that they'll show up at a church and get married you know kind of a, an obedience to that would be they show up on that day, hopefully wearing something that's appropriate to the day, and say some things to each other, and then move on with the life that's married. But um, expectation, from that point when they say yes to one another, yes, we're going to get married, expectation is very different than just showing up on a day. There's a level of expectation, but really it's just obedient to the yes that you said. All right. Yes, let's get married. See you on that day, I'll be wearing a suit. Like that's kind of like obedience, that's kind of basic level, I'm gonna be there, I'll show up. Expectation is, all right let's start planning a wedding let's start thinking about the what we want during the day and actually even then actually spending some money you just saying to me earlier on you guys have just sorted out the photographer for your wedding so like there's even things like all right well we we not just have faith that we're going to show up on a day and get married but we're going to have an expectation that we want certain things to happen on the day we're going to start planning our lives towards it in fact probably even putting some money towards it or at least somebody else's money you know starting putting some money toward like all right well we're going to need to we're going to need to hire a venue or we're going to need to buy a ring or we're going to need to uh, kind of put a deposit down for a photographer like we're making a decision and the obedience is that that thing happens but actually expectation is i start to build my life and plan my life towards this end right that's the kind of thing that i that i'm conscious in our in our walk with jesus we often think that the, the goal is that we're just obedient to God, i.e. We, we tick a list of things that we should do. But actually, um, and this is what I was writing in, in, um, in, at the end of worship, I really felt like the Lord said that, that um, obedience connects you to a task, but expectation connects you to a person. Mm. And this is what, this is, the heart of God is that we would be connected to him as a person. Not to a list of dos and don'ts that we think he's he's written out for us to do or don't, but actually to be connected to a person. And if we're simply just like walking in obedience, that's one thing. But actually, to walk in expectation is really this faithful journey. So I want to read this story to you and hopefully pull a couple of thoughts out that that will hopefully connect you. Um, I hope to a, a level of expectation about your. Walk with God and what He wants to do in and through your life. So, Luke 5, verses 1 to 12, Jesus calls His first disciples. So, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of um, Gennarisat, the people were crowding round Him and listening to the Word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. This is important to the story. Their nets are at the side, they've been washed. He goes out, uh, he, he got into one of the boats. One belonged to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and told the people from the boat. Verse 4. When he finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night, and we haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I'll let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught so uh, such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled for their partners to come uh, uh, in the other boats, to come and help them. They came and filled both boats full that they begin to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. Um, for he uh, and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they'd taken. And so were James, John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. And Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be... Uh, You will fish for people. So they pulled uh, the boats up on the shore, (laughs) left everything, and followed him. So there is these two significant moments um, where Jesus Jesus stares into the eyes of Simon and he declares something about Simon's future. The first was a very momentary uh, declaration. Put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. To he was telling him what was going to happen in the next few moments. And then later on in the story, as it unfolds, Jesus stares into Simon's uh, eyes and says, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. And I want to really focus in around um, around how how do we respond as people who are following Jesus? How do we respond when he when we meet him face to face or we hear a thought in our mind from him, how do we respond with our lives according to what he said? Do we respond with obedience or do we respond with expectation and faith? And that's what I want to circle around for the next few minutes. There's, a, there's some interesting um, context and interesting... Um, detail in this story which you don't necessarily pick up at first but i'm going to tell you about it and it's not because i'm a fisherman so i am neither a gardener nor a fisherman but i have researched some of this story and discovered some things that i found pretty interesting so we are in this passage in luke 5. And again, we're asking the question, what does it look like for us as followers of Jesus to respond to Jesus? Not just simply out of obedience, but full of faith and full of expectation. Again, remembering that obedience at some level is as connecting with a task of what we think we should be doing as, as, as Christians and realising that actually a faith journey has an expectation where we're connected to God and connected to what Jesus is saying to us and then we build our life according to what he said. Right? Two very different things. Um, you remember Simon's response to when Jesus looked him in the eyes and told him to go out to deeper war and throw you. You remember what he said. He said, Ma, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I'll let down the nets. So I think it's, it's helpful to understand that um, you know, Simon did respond at some level in obedience. He, he did what Jesus said simply because Jesus had said it. But there was very little faith or expectation attached to what he did, right? You can hear it in his language. Because you say so... I'll let down the nets. Like it wasn't, Jesus, because I I, because I because know that you have spoken and you've said that I'm to let down my nets for a catch. It wasn't, I'm connecting with what you've spoken and what you've said and I'm building my life and my decisions according to that. He said, listen, just because you say so, I'm going to do what you say. I'm going to do what you say. There's no expectation or faith connected to what. Now, I... I feel bad here you know, when you read stories like this and you and you read other encounters with Jesus and the disciples. I feel often a little bit sorry for the disciples or at least they give me great hope because These guys are just like regular people, like trying to walk with God on Earth as He demonstrates a glorious kingdom and does signs and wonders and miracles. And there's these 12 guys who are, you know, a mixture of like white collar workers. There's some tax collectors in there. There's some uh, there's some uh, labor people, not, uh, not political party. There are like some builders and there are some fishermen. Like there's some just regular guys walking with Jesus, trying to catch up with God in flesh on the earth. Like. I think we forget that sometimes when we read like some of the stories of what the disciples get up to, and like you know, I feel sorry for the disciples at times. But there's some context to this um, little interaction between that made me really like my heart went out to Simon Peter, because this is the this is the thing I began to discover. And um, what actually was going on was. Um, the nets that Simon had in his boat were called trammel nets. T-R-A-M-M-E-L. Trammel nets. Now these nets are different. and They were out during the day on the boat with Jesus. Now something you need to know about trammel nets, you would only ever knew, use a trammel fishing net at night, right? And I'll tell you why. They are made of white linen, Okay. And if you tried to use a white linen fishing net in the middle of the day with the sun shining down, these white linen nets would catch the light and the fish would see them. And not only would you not catch any, the fish would literally go the opposite direction to this flash of white in the the water, right? That was the net that Jesus had asked Simon to throw over the other side to catch a net. It was a white linen impossible net to catch fish with right the other thing that's going on in, in this whole um in this whole story is that during the day it's it's the sun so you would never use a white net but it's very very hot and so you may see like uh, you may see uh, little videos or if you've ever you may have never seen this but like single man boats daytime fishes daytime fishing um, in hot countries, and especially where um, Jesus was with these guys, and it would have been in the middle of the day, it would have been hot. The only f- people who fished were single fishermen, and they would have they would have single nets by themselves. You've probably seen them. They would throw them, and then they would haul them back in, but they were all manned by one person because you didn't spend very long, um, you didn't, uh, these tremble nets, these nighttime nets were massive nets and they were white linen nets that could be left, and they were linen because they could be left underwater for a long time, and basically the fishermen would go and they would let down their nets in the middle of the night. These white nets were perfect for it, they were massive. They'd have four or five people in the boat, because what they would do is they would leave these tremel nets for hours at a time and they would collect massive hauls of fish, and they would need four or five people to bring these massive white linen and nets into, into the boat. That was nighttime fishing. They're not at night, they're during the day. The only way you would fish during the day is with a s- single man with a small net so that you could do quick trips in and out because it's so hot. You'd just be like, all right, I'd fish for a little while, but I'm a single you know, single man with the net, and then I'd go back in and I'd get some shelter and I'd get some shade. You would never spend any, which is why you'd use small nets because you weren't expecting to sit out on the lake or, or where you're fishing for any length of time. It's like get in, get out. That's daytime fishing. Is this helping you create a bit of a picture of what was going on here? So actually you've got Jesus, not just asking him in the middle of the day to do something sort of vaguely random. You're actually asking Simon Peter, who is a professional fisherman. They've been cleaning those nets at the side of the, at the side of the, because they were done with those nets. That's what they would do. You had to take care of linen nets because um, if you got salt on them, that's why they washed them and left them during the day to dry. And then they would take them back out at night. Like, this is just what fishermen did. Simon, Simon Simon, knew that. Like, he was a professional fisherman. Jesus obviously was asking him to do something that was not only just, like, ridiculous because, because they'd not caught anything. The, the, the fact that they'd not caught anything that night was not really the ridiculous thing in this, in this story. The ridiculous thing was Jesus was asking one man in a boat to use what would have been a four or five man net, so it would have been heavy to even get out over the side. It was a wide linen net, they were never gonna catch anything. It was nigh on impossible, impossible, to catch fish during the day with a white linen um, net. It's just impossible. So you, can you understand why Simon, in his response now, is not just simply just a man with a fe- with little faith, Or he's just being obedient. He's somebody who's just like, oh, you can imagine. He's thinking, all right, it's literally because you just told me to do it. That's the only reason I'm going to chuck these nets over here. Because you're like literally crazy. You have no idea what you're saying, Jesus. You're asking me to do the impossible. Like you're literally asking me to do something that's impossible. Catch fish with a wider net during the day. It's impossible. just cannot be done. Can you start to see like the, the, the size of what was going on in this story? It wasn't simply oh we're going to catch some fish. Oh we haven't caught anything that night, so we're probably not going to catch it. It wasn't like we're probably not going to catch anything because we didn't catch it. It was like it's literally impossible to catch it, catch fish, right? Can you get the sense of the story? Yeah. So now it, it it like this story then becomes begins to unfold, and I start to feel sorry for for Simon, but I also start to realise oh you know what there's there's a, there's a connection that Simon doesn't necessarily have with Jesus yet, which is by way of, you know, his initial response to, to Jesus was out of, like, obedience. Like, listen, Jesus, you're master, so I'm just going to do what you say. But he hadn't really connected with who Jesus really was. Like he had not really connected with, with Jesus, you're not only saying this, but you're declaring it as my future that I'm going to catch fish. And so in that moment, he wasn't paying attention to, to faith and expectation. He was paying attention to that you're, you're my master, so I'm going to be obedient. He just wasn't connected to, I've got faith. An expectation that this man of faith has spoken out a word of what's going to happen in my future, and now I'm going to build my whole life towards it. Because if he'd connected with Jesus as a as a supernatural um, demonstration of the kingdom of heaven on earth, and had heard him say... Throw these white linen nets, which are impossible to catch any fish, into when he if he connected with who Jesus really was and what Jesus was saying, he would have built his life according to it. And do you know what he would have done? He would have done at the very beginning when Jesus spoke what he had to do at the end, which was call his friends over. Because again, he was throwing a four man net over the side of the boat, he wasn't saying, Right, let's do that, and just in case. Guys, you need to come over here. You need to help me. In fact, I, I don't know what he was doing because I don't even know how he planned to even get the net back in the boat, even without any fish in it. But actually, what's fascinating to me is this, that if he had connected to Jesus, not just as somebody he was supposed to be obedient to, but he was supposed to pay attention to, listen, this was a declaration by, by, by Jesus Supernatural Jesus, miracle-making Jesus. This was a declaration about what was going to happen. I better make some decisions before I even get this net over because what he said, it's going to happen. Right? And there's a difference. There's a difference between his response of obedience and what could have been, which would have been a response of faith and expectation. Now listen, I'm convinced that for many of us in life, it feels like in many areas of our lives that we've just been we've been fishing at night and we've never caught anything. It feels like there are just there are things in life that we kind of go through the motions <laughs> with, and, and maybe even um, God's attached to some of those things. Maybe there's some dreams that God's given you, some things that you're hoping for, some things that you think you believe that God's spoken to you about, and it's kind of like, well, I've been I've been fishing at night and I'm just not catching that fish. Mm. That thing that God spoke to me about, I'm just not catching that fish. Uh, But one of the things I want to encourage you in is a journey of faith and expectation. Because I believe that a journey of faith and expectation unlocks our relationship with God. Mm. Because it moves us from simply just connecting to a list of things that we think we're supposed to do as Christians and it connects us to a Father who begins to, through relationship and dialogue, share His heart with us, share His secrets with us, And share ultimately what he's called us to do and the assignment that we have on earth. And we can then begin to build our life according to a conversation with God. When Jesus looks us in the eyes and says, I've got a purpose and a destiny for your life. We can attach our life to that conversation with God. With faith and expectation as opposed to somehow thinking, oh here's a list of things I'm supposed to do as a Christian. That's what Simon was doing. I'm, what I'm supposed to do, Jesus, because I recognize your master, I'm supposed to do what you say. Bosh, there goes the nets. No expectation, no faith. The other way that that story can play out is I'm not just connected to this guy as, as a master, but I'm connected to him as a friend. I'm connected to his heart. I know what he's already said about me. I know how powerful he is. I know that he that that he is powerful, I know that he is supernatural. I will now partner my relationship with him and I will begin to make decisions according to what he said. And I will put my life out there I will build towards it. And so, like I said, for Simon it would have been, alright, Well, Jesus has said, throw the nets over. I know that that's impossible, but I don't care because I know that Jesus said it, so it's going to happen. And what I'll do is I will call these friends over and get the other boats over before we before we all drown. Like that's that's connecting with faith and expectation to what Jesus said in that moment. But he didn't. He just simply partnered with with obedience. Now, as you see, as that story goes on, um, and I think these this whole this whole narrative and whole story is connected together because what what Simon didn't get right in the first instance when he sort of half-heartedly chucked those those nets over, he got right in the second thing. Because there was something else that that Jesus then spoke to him about. Can you remember the end of that story? He said to him, (coughs) he said to him, then Jesus said to Simon, so this is the end of verse 10. Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. Alright, so there it is. Again, Jesus is speaking into Simon's future. He's speaking into his destiny. Speaking into who he was created to be. His assignment in life. And what, is, what has Simon learned very, very quickly? He's learned very, very quickly through his fishing es- escapade. and Where he got that horribly wrong. He's learned, I've got, to, I've got to put my life behind the words of this man. I've got to put my actions behind the words of this man. I've got to carry a level of faith and expectation for what Jesus has said and partner my life with it. And So his response is this. So they pulled up their boats on the shore, left everything and followed him. Like that's as as good a response as we can be looking for when it comes to what Jesus says. Lay it all down, follow him. Right When Jesus speaks, when he says something about your life, be it small or large, be it something that affects the next five minutes of your life, or be it something that affects the next 50 years of your life, our response is to still be the same. I lay it all aside and I put my life and I follow him. Right? And so I want to encourage you that in this this journey of, of wanting to really go after a faithful life, one of the ways that we discover that fullness and we walk in that fullness with God is that we partner with what he said. We put our lives and the resource of our lives and the things that we're dreaming about, we put our lives behind those things. Because what Jesus said, it's worth laying your life down for. Whether that be something that He gives you an assignment for, for five minutes. Whether you're sat in a, in a coffee shop and He says to you, I want you to go pay for that person's coffee. Or I want you to go and tell that person over there that I love them very much and I, and, I, and I want to encourage them. You know, whether God gives you a word of knowledge when you're out in your workplace or whether you're on the bus. Like, if it's an assignment for the next five minutes of your life, then listen, apply that expectation. That response of not—I'm not just going to be obedient to that word. Like obedience is great, and God loves obedience. There's plenty of verses I can point to about just living obedience. But I feel like there's a fullness that should be attached to our obedience, which is how do we walk with faith and expectation? Listen, we can do that for the things that take us five minutes. But listen, I genuinely believe that that God has spoken hope and aspiration over your lives. Oh listen, the way you the way you lead your children, I've seen it even this weekend, the way that you love your children, you're pouring and building into them a sense of they can know God for themselves. And you'll demonstrate something that, that is not just the assignment for your life in the next five minutes, but it's the next five years, ten years, mm. and really it's the legacy of what you pour into your kids. So that's why that's why having expectation and, and linking it to ultimately am I going to believe what Jesus has said? Mm. Am I going to am I going to respond to it out the, on the basis of just being obedient to to a task that he gives me, or am I going to really start to put my life with expectation behind what he said? And I wanted to challenge you with that, not so you feel overwhelmed or or a sense of like, uh, wow, well, that sounds daunting. That sounds like a lot of work. And listen, remember, you are entirely connected to a person. God loves you, and he's calling you into a relationship with him. So we get to work this out in the same way that we get to work any relationship out, and that's through communication and connection and intimacy. God is not sitting up there going, Right, there is the next next 50 years of your life in a task list. Just start ticking them off and make sure you get to the end before you die. Like, that's not... That's not intimacy, that's not relationship. He's saying, listen, I want to send my Holy Spirit so that he walks with you. And in that intimacy with me, where you know my heart and I know yours, I want to tell you, ha- tell you how I see you and what I see for your life. That, And again, it might be what he sees your life for the next five minutes, but it might be what he sees for the next 50 years. Either which way, he wants to do that through walking and talking with you. I love it when we see Plan A in the Bible. You know, God hasn't moved on from Plan A. Plan A was walk and talk with his kids in a garden. He hasn't, like, he hasn't moved on from Plan A. I know there was the fall. I know there was a boat and loads of people drowned. Like, he hasn't removed himself from Plan A, which is I want relationship with you. I want intimacy with you. And I want to walk and talk with you through the garden of your life. Like, this is the heart of God. Yeah. And it's in that intimacy and through that intimacy that we, we discover that how incredible and how powerful God is. So at those times and those moments when he says, listen, I want to tell you what I see you doing for the next year of your life, that we hear that whisper, we hear that direction, we hear that, that speaking of what God says over our lives. And because we know him, and because we know what he says over our lives, has a, uh, has a, we can have a confidence around it. We can say, Do you know what? I'm not just going to be obedient to that thing. I'm going to build towards that. I'm going to have expectation that what God said, He's going to come through. And it's the same... Like I said, it's the same with getting married. You know, it, it it is. You start to make plans. You start to build. You put money. You put effort and energy towards that goal of I'm getting I'm getting married. We've said yeses to each other, and that wasn't just about just being obedient and showing up at a church one day. That was saying, oh, we're going to build towards not. And the cool thing about marriage and getting ready, and you, you guys, I'm sure are finding this, is like you're not building towards one day. You're building towards the rest of your lives. Yeah. Like obviously, like flowers are cool and everything, but they die. <laughs> But love and how you steward yourself for the next four years in your marriage, that's amazing. That's what you can put your life and expectation towards. I don't know why I went to that, but anyway. Um, that was really what I had to share with you this morning, or this afternoon. Um, and, but I did feel like I wanted to pray for you towards that end. Um, I love the fact that through, through these times that we've had together, we, you know, we can let God speak to us. You know, I I love the fact that I don't really feel any pressure to come and tell you something that that maybe you don't know already. Or that actually that, that God isn't already stirring up in your heart. But listen, we can let the Word of God and the relationship that we have with Him, we can let Him orientate and shape and challenge and change our lives. And that can happen in a moment. And so there can be things that God speaks to you about this weekend. But maybe before you would have said well I'll add that to the list of things that I know I've got to be obedient about but actually in the next few minutes God could speak to you about how he sees your life and what he's called you to you can say thank you for that invitation into a journey of relationship with you into those things I'm excited I'm expectant I carry faith for what you've spoken to me about and that's so different than thinking oh God you give me something else I've got to do Put it on the list, right? Yeah. So why don't you stand up? I want to pray for you.